I want you to turn with me this morning as the choir is coming down to the book of Mark chapter 1. The book of Mark chapter 1. I promise you that um, those of you who are in Paul's class, I'm not going to tell you anything you haven't heard already. Uh, those of you who are here and you want to, they're, they're, they're great Bible classes, and we'll talk about our Bible classes as we go along. As a matter of fact, we started one in here this morning with Tony Cargill. I think he started with 14, so pretty good, pretty good uh, way to start a class. Uh, be honest with you, I told him this week I'd like to try to start three more this year if we can, so uh, we'll, we'll look at that and see, but um, Paul will... We'll do this. He will start reading Mark and he will go, Thee. And six weeks later, he's still talking about Thee. Okay? But that is, um, and I, I get it, that's not for everybody, but if that's you, that would be a great class for you to step into. Uh, you, you'll never um, be behind, that's for sure, as you go in there. But, um, uh, what a what a great what a great Bible teacher he is. So anyway, um, we're going to be looking at Mark this morning, and I want to talk about the appeal of Christ, not not the speaking forth and trying to reach people through his teaching and through his words, but but his appeal, his his ability to draw people to himself. Um, here's, here's, as I began thinking about this and, and looking at this and seeing if this is exactly what I wanted to do this week, I couldn't help but think that along the way, I, I'm afraid that we have portrayed an image of Christ that is very compelling and drawing. I mean, who of us wants to die and go to hell? Who of us wants to have an abundant life? Uh, who of us uh, want um, uh, to live a good life? And, and, of course, knowing Christ brings all of that. But we have, I'm afraid, have preached a concept and forgotten to preach Christ. Th this is not about an image. This is not about an idea. This is about a, a person. We are drawn to a person. And Christ said it even of himself. If I be lifted up, I'll draw all men to myself. I was speaking to our college kids this morning and was reminded of the fact that uh, none of us, none of us have it in us to change anybody with our words. Even to preach a message and say, come to Jesus, we have to understand that it's not the message, it's not the one who presents the message, it is the message itself and the work of the Holy Spirit in calling men to repentance through Jesus Christ. And so I, I want us to kind of get back on the right track if we can. Christianity is about a person. Christianity is about a relationship. So if you would, if you'd follow along with me, and, and you may not have the same translation, but that's okay. You can follow along. Guess what we're going to do this morning? We're going to read the whole chapter. And so I think we need to do that so you can kind of kind of get an idea of what I want to do. It's more topical 
than than it is uh, um, an exposition this morning. But that's okay because it's a it's a good time to um, uh, to do this right as we begin our new year. The beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. It's it's interesting how all of a sudden. Mark, just right off the bat, tells us who Jesus is. Now, I want you to pay attention very carefully to the many times that the word immediately is used, okay? Uh, I, I sat down yesterday, and I started going through, and I started looking at those, and I started marking. Immediately, immediately, immediately. Um, so the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, that is as, as it is written in the prophets. Look, I am sending my messenger before your face, who will prepare your way before you. The voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. John came baptizing in the wilderness and preaching a baptism of repentance for the remission of sins. The whole region of Judea and all the people of Jerusalem went out to him. Isn't that amazing? Look at this, the whole region. And all the people of Jerusalem. We don't know how many thousands there were that were there, but I'm sure there were quite a few. They all went out to him and all baptized by him in the Jordan River. This is John confessing their sins. Must have had a pretty compelling message, right? John was clothed in camel's hair with a leather belt around his waist. That just kind of goes to show you that you don't have to be hip to get up in front of a group of folks and present the gospel anymore. He ate locusts and wild honey. He preached this. He preached this. After me is coming one mightier than I am, the straps of whose shoes I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. I indeed have baptized you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. In those days, Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee He was baptized by John in the Jordan, and coming up out of the water, he immediately, there's that word, he immediately saw the heavens open and the Spirit descending on him like a dove, and the voice that came from heaven said, you are my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. The Spirit immediately, there it is, the Spirit immediately, the Holy Spirit, drove him into the wilderness, and he was there in the wilderness for 40 days, tempted by Satan, and was with the wild beast, and the angels ministered to him. After John was put in prison, Jesus came to Galilee preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God, saying, The time is fulfilled, and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe the gospel. As he walked by the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew, his brother, throwing a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. Jesus said to them, Come follow me, and I will make you to be fishers of men. Immediately, there it is, they left their nets and followed him. I think it's kind of interesting that... The word immediately is used there because Jesus has come and he sees these two men fishing. And he says, follow me. And immediately they followed him. By the way, let me just say this. The, the, the response that the Lord expects of you when he speaks to your heart is that you immediately be obedient. So immediately they left their nest and they followed him. When he had gone a little farther from there, he saw the sons of, of, of Zebedee, James and John. Uh, they were also in a boat, mending their nets. Immediately he called them. They left their father 
Zebedee in the boat and the hired servants, and they followed him. Then he went to Capernaum, and immediately on the Sabbath, he entered the synagogue and taught. They were astonished at his teaching, for he taught him as one having authority and not as the scribes. In their synagogue, there was a man that had an unclean spirit, and he cried out, Leave us alone. What do we have to do? What, what do you have to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be silent and come out of him. When the unclean spirit had convulsed him, he cried out with a loud voice, and it came out of him, and they were amazed. So that they questioned among themselves, What is this? What is this new teaching? With authority, he commands even the unclean spirits, and they obey him immediately. His fame spread everywhere throughout the region surrounding Galilee. When he came out of the synagogue with James and John, they went directly to the house of Simon and Andrew, the mother of Simon's wife, Simon Peter, Simon Peter's mother-in-law, lay sick with a fever, and immediately they told him of her. Listen, these immediately, pay attention to them. They have a problem. And, and they don't seek out um, um, help from people around them. They don't go running here, there, and everywhere to try to find something that will meet their need. His wife is sick, and immediately they tell Jesus. Let me ask you a question. Now, I'm sure that 2019 might not have been a, a great year every day. When life got sideways, maybe tragedy happened, difficulties came, did you immediately take it to Jesus? Quite a thought. Because here's what it says. He came and took her by the hand and lifted her up, and immediately her fever left her, and she served them. In the evening when the sun had set, they brought to him all that were sick and those who were possessed with demons. The whole city was gathered at the door, and he healed many who were sick with various diseases and cast out many demons. And he didn't let the demons speak because they knew him. In the morning, rising up, a great while before sunrise, he went out and departed in a solitary place, and there he prayed. Simon and those who were with him followed him, and when they found him, they said to him, Everybody's searching for you. He said to them, let's go into the nearby towns that I may preach there also, for that is why I have come. So he preached in their synagogues throughout Galilee and cast out demons. A leper came to him, pleading with him and kneeling before him, saying, if you are willing, you can make me clean. But Jesus moved with compassion, extended his hand and touched him and said to him, I will. I want to be clean. As soon as he had spoken, the leprosy immediately departed from him, and he was cleansed. He sternly warned him and sent him away, sent him away, saying, See that you say nothing to anyone, but go your way, show yourself to the priest, and offer for your cleansing what Moses commanded as a testimony to them. Obviously, instead he went out and began to proclaim it widely and spread the news around so that Jesus could no more openly enter the city but was out in remote places. Now, here's, here's the phrase that I want you to latch in on, okay? And they came to him from every quarter. 
They came to him from every quarter. The Bible tells us that Jesus couldn't hide from these great crowds. The crowds just kind of thronged to him. And wherever Jesus appeared, listen to this, a congregation sprang up. People came. They assembled to hear his words. They wanted to see his great deeds. In fact, we read here that a lot of times and in other places that the crowds were so big that they almost became unmanageable at times. They were climbing over each other. They were stepping on each other. There was, in a sense, chaos. You remember the time when the men came and uh, Jesus was in this house and they wanted to bring their sick friend to him and they couldn't get in there because it was so crowded. They went on top of the roof. They tore part of the roof off and lowered him down. You see this happening in the life of Jesus all along. There, there, was, there, there were people coming from everywhere. They came from their towns. They came from their homes. They came from their countryside. They thronged to see Jesus. I couldn't help but think that few preachers suffer from that problem today. Listen, the only conclusion that we can come up with if when we read this record is that there was something remarkable and attractive about Jesus. He, they, 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 they came from every quarter, the Bible says. It caused all kinds of men and women and boys and girls to come and to listen to his teaching and to see him work his miracles. I believe there's a great lesson in this for us as believers, and especially for Calvary Baptist Church this morning, that we note this. We don't need gimmicks to bring people to salvation. We live in a, and I spoke with our college kids this morning. I get it. I get social media is a big thing. I get technology is a big thing. We don't need technology and social media to bring people to salvation. We don't, we don't need the, the cultural norms of our day of reaching people to bring people to salvation in Christ. We don't need mind games. We don't need to water down the miraculous and the supernatural to satisfy the skeptical reasoning of men and women who are out there today who are around us. We don't need to bring more ritual and formalism for the religious and for the legalistic to make Christ appealing to the masses. All we need is to preach Christ. Christ crucified, Christ resurrected, Christ interceding, Christ coming again. Not only should we preach Christ, we should live Christ. You, you know the old saying, you may be the only Bible that anybody ever reads. Here's why I think, and I'm just going to throw this one out to you, and I want you to think about this. I've asked our college kids to think about it. I want you to think about this. Why? What's the big deal with the, 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 our churches today and, and, and our religious institutions today not reaching people 
the way that Christ reached them. Now, I get it. He's not here. I mean, I get it. He's not here in a physical body. But, but what's the difference? Here's what I think. And I've got to really work on this, y'all. I mean, I really do. We have stolen some of the thunder and the accolades that belong only to Jesus. I read this week a great definition of pride. Now, now you got to think this one through. Pride is touching the glory. Pride is reaching out and touching what only belongs to God. I've become convinced that if we want to grow our church, if we want to bring people to Jesus, we need to just preach Christ. And we need to live Christ. We don't need to be touching His glory. We don't need to be taking any credit. I mean, I, I hear it all the time. You hear it all the time. You see it. We read it. We read the blogs. We see the churches. We, we see the mega churches. And we see the guys. And here's what, we, here's what I do. And here's what I do. Listen, by, listen only by the grace of God that any of us are going to go to heaven. Christ and Him alone. You see, the news of a, of a lame man kind of got out. And it began to spread across the countryside. Now, listen to me very carefully. You know it, and I know it. We got, we got to figure out how to let it happen. But you know it, and I know it as well. That whenever God is manifesting himself in the saving power of the Lord Jesus Christ and changing people, people will come from every quarter. You let it get out that people are being saved in the church weekly and we won't have enough room to put them all in here. Best church growth strategy I know. Preach Jesus. Listen. When Jesus is in action, when the Holy Spirit is really working, you can be sure that people will gather. Now listen, the best advertisement for a church, and here's, 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 here's your challenge, my challenge for this year. The best advertisement for a church is the individual testimonies of people who have been touched by him. When you see him, when you know him, when he touches you, you cannot help but speak what you have seen and what you have heard. They came to him from every quarter. Look at what chapter 2 started. And he entered Capernaum after some days, and it was reported that he was in the house, and immediately many were gathered together. Folks, I'm telling you, all it would take is for word to get out that Jesus is over there and people will come. Now, I want to just, I want, I'm going to give you a short outline here. We're not going to spend a lot of time on this, but I just want to share a few things with you 
uh, about this, this attraction, this attractive, this, this appealing Jesus. The Bible tells us in verse 22, and they were astonished at his doctrine. This astonishing, this, this appealing, this attractive Savior has, has present, presented himself to these people. He has come. He's just doing what he's come to do. And they are astonished. But what are they astonished at? They are astonished at his doctrine. Because the Bible says he taught them as one who had authority. Now, it, that, that was probably not a very flattering statement to say about the scribes. Uh, because the scribes were those who, you know, they dictated everything. The Pharisees, they, they were the teachers of the law. And the scribes, you know, they were, they, they were part of all that group too. And here's what he said. They, 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 he taught them as one who had authority and not like the scribes and the Pharisees. I told our college kids this morning, just because somebody looks like they have authority, just because somebody stands behind a pulpit or gets on TV or writes an article, that doesn't mean they have authority in the Word of God. So, they look at him. They're astonished. That's what the Bible says in verse 22. They're astonished. Here this guy is. He's opened the Bible. He's teaching. Whoa, we've never heard anything like that before. They were astonished at his power in the Scriptures. Now, this is something we all need to learn. We all have to learn. I've been reading, and I'm sure a lot of you have. And if you have a Methodist background, I'm sure you're probably interested in what's going on in the United Methodist Church today. Uh, there's a big split over what they call the traditionalists and the progressives. Uh, let me interpret that for you. Between the biblicist and the liberals. Okay? That, that's just, I'm just being honest as I can. That, 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 that's, that's, that's the big deal. Okay? John, I, I know you've got a, got a deep background in that. John, John's been kind of keeping me up on some of that as well. They are astonished over his power in the Scripture. We can stand and we can talk about social issues and we can talk about all kinds of things. But listen, we have been given one message to preach and that is this. Jesus Christ is God. He is the only way to heaven. And if you have any inkling that you want to get there, that's the way you got to go. They're astonished because he had power in the Scripture. Listen, the Scripture is powerful. I mean, it's just powerful. Somebody said one time, uh, the Scripture is like a lion. Quit trying to defend it. Just turn it loose and let it defend itself. He had power. They were astonished at his power in the Scriptures. Look at verse 27. They were all amazed. So they're astonished. So here this Jesus is, this compelling Jesus. He astonished people with his teaching. They are amazed. 
at what he's able to do. They question among themselves, saying, what is this? What, what new doctrine is this? Because he even has authority over these spirits, these unclean spirits. They obey him. I'm going to tell you something, ladies and gentlemen. I believe this with all my heart. If you feel like you are being harassed, if you're being bombarded by a, an unclean spirit or an unclean force, you turn the word of God loose on it, and I'm going to tell you what, it'll leave you pretty quick. You say, well, Gary, you know, no, no look, I'm just telling you the truth. Okay, just turn, just, just turn it. How many of you ever woken up during the night and you just felt a real kind of evil presence. I have. You know what I do? I just quote all the scripture I know. In a little while, <clears throat> I'm out again. It, it is powerful. These people, what is this? What, what is he doing? They were amazed at his power over the spirits. Because of his power in the scriptures. Another thing we find in verse 34, they are just blown away at his power over sickness. And he healed many that were sick of divers' disease. He cast out many devils. He suffered not the devils to speak. Verse 31, he came, he took her, Peter's wife's mother, by the hand. He lifted her up, and immediately the fever left her. They were amazed at that. Can Jesus still do that? Yes. Yes, he can. I don't know how it works. I don't. I mean, I wish there was a, I wish there was a, a magic wand that you could wave. I mean, I don't know. But I just do know this right here. When we have an issue, we take it to him immediately, and immediately he's on it. Whatever, you know, whatever it is. Look at verse 40. There came a leper to him, beseeching him, kneeling down to him, and saying unto him, I know you can heal me if you want to. And Jesus said, I want to be healed. And they are just awestruck. Because I want to show you something here. Here's what, here's what just struck them. His compassion toward sinful, separated people. Did, did you know that uh, a person who had leprosy couldn't have any human contact with anybody. As a matter of fact, a man who had leprosy couldn't even go to church. He was an outcast because he was unclean. He was to stand off from, from a road where people were traveling, and, and the whole time they were coming by, he would have to cry out to them, unclean, unclean, and, and they would avoid him. Jesus touched him. In your dirtiness, and in the filth of our lives, and in the problems of our life, listen, it doesn't contaminate Jesus to touch you. He was just as pure, just as clean, just as holy, just as righteous after touching that man than before he touched him. Here's the thing that I love about the gospel. Here's the thing that I love about Jesus. We have a tendency, and all of us, I'm sure, Got a whole lot of things for Christmas. And if you're like me, you'll probably go through the house 
And you'll find all the things that are broken that you replace with something new, and you'll throw those things away. Okay, we do that. What we typically do is throw away broken things. What Jesus does is pick up broken things and uses them. So you know what? There's hope for all of us, isn't there? I mean, isn't that good news? Jesus uses broken things. They, 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 they are, they're just blown away by his compassion toward this individual. And even these people that were attracted by him, how it affected people. Verse 32, when they saw these things, that even when the sun did set, they brought unto him all that were diseased and them that were possessed with devils. They had heard and they had seen. And they brought people to Jesus. Verse 38, look at Immediately his fame spread abroad throughout the region round about Galilee. Verse 37, and when they had found Jesus trying to avoid the crowds, they said to him, everybody's seeking you. There came a time when Simon Peter answered right. And I want to ask you this question. A lot of the teaching that Jesus did was very hard. As a matter of fact, there's a place where it says, they said to him, this is a hard teaching. And then it says that some of his followers left him and didn't follow him anymore. And Jesus, can you see him? He turns to Simon Peter and he says, will you also go away? And here, here ought to be the answer of every believer sitting here this morning. Where are we going to go? You have the words of eternal life. Listen to what Psalm 73 says. Who do I have in heaven but you? Who is there on earth that I desire beside you? My flesh and my heart fails, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Let me ask you a question. This, 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 is a, look, this is a legitimate question. Does the thought of Jesus still astonish you? His words, who he is, what he's done. Does it astonish you? Can I ask you a question? How long has it been since we were all in a service and Jesus was so present and the Holy Spirit so evident that you had goosebumps and the hair on the back of your neck stood up. Listen, when Jesus is present, people will come to him from every quarter. Not only is he astonishing and attractive, he is also approachable. Here's, here's the good news. He is approachable. One of the things that, that we've got to start doing around here a little more, a little more often, is we've kind of laid out a four-step uh, map to, I, I guess you could call it, becoming a faithful follower of Jesus Christ. And the very first word that, that we use is follow. Follow. Are you following him? We sing a song, um, wherever he leads, I'll go. My question is, do you seek him? For help when you need help. 
You go to him where he is. It says in verse 45, and they came to him from every quarter. Now, I want to show you something because it becomes very interesting here at this point. The word they came to him is in an imperfect tense, which means they kept on coming to him. All the world is still coming to Jesus, y'all. And they kept on coming to him. Coming to Christ is not a matter of a once and for all life change at your conversion. It's something that is to happen over and over and over and over again. Peter said this in his epistle. If so be you have tasted that the Lord is gracious to whom coming as unto a living stone. We are to continually be coming to Jesus. There should be daily comings to Jesus. And from every quarter, no matter where we are. There's a tradition. It's only a tradition. It's not true. Okay, there's a tradition that basically says, y'all have to excuse me for a minute. This has nothing to do with the sermon. I just gotten wound up. My nose has started running. Something about it. Listen, folks, when Jesus gets a hold of you, you have a tendency to leak. Right? There's a tradition that says that the manna that came down from heaven, think about it, they're out there in the wilderness, over two million of them. Every morning they get up, the manna's on the ground. The old tradition is, is that the manna, the taste of the manna, tasted just the way every person desired it to taste when they ate it. Think about that for a moment. Every taste bud, every palate, everybody was different. And when they ate the manna, it was something that satisfied their taste. Now, that's not true. That's only a tradition. But here's the question. It is true about Christ, isn't it? It is true about him. Whoever you are, whatever you need, Whatever quarter you're from, there's help. Now, there's an interesting word that's used in the book of Hebrews. And I just want you to, you can mark these if you want to. I'm just going to give this to you real quick. Hebrews chapter 2, look at verse 18. For since he himself suffered, talking about Jesus, He himself suffered while being tempted. He is able to, and the King James Version uses a very interesting word, and I think it's a good word. It's the word succor, S-U-C-C-O-R, succor. Those who are being tempted. Now, what does that mean? What does that word mean? It means that he's able to come to the rescue. That's what that word means. He's able to come to the rescue when you're being tempted. Look at verse 4. Just a couple of pages over, beginning in verse 14. I especially want you to pay attention to verse 16. Since then, we have a great high priest who has passed into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold firmly to our confession, for we don't have a high priest who can't sympathize with our weaknesses, 
but one who in every sense tempted like we are and were, yet without sin. Now, here it is. Let us then, because of that, let us come with confidence. Some translations say with boldness, but I think, I think confidence is a better word. Let us come with confidence, where? To the throne of grace. We don't have time to go into all that one. Why? So that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. He comes to our rescue. Lastly of all, he is an accepting Savior. He is an accepting Savior. Remember he said one time, come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. Now, I get it, y'all. I, I get it. Jesus is not here physically. He's not. He, he walked out there in that countryside. He went into the desert. People from every quarter came to him. But because he's not here, he said to his disciples, I've got to go away because if I don't go away, the Holy Spirit won't come. But if I go away, I'll send him to you. We have this morning the presence of Jesus Christ through the work of the Holy Spirit in this place and in us. The very presence of Christ in people wherever they are. Now, here's what that means. Here's what that means. We no longer have to go out to Him. He comes to us. Now, I get it. I, look, I get it. I know it's a play on words there. I, I know it is. There's a song that we sang, and I think Jason may have even sang it before. When I couldn't come to where he was, he came to me. Because of the work of the Holy Spirit. He, he comes to us now from every quarter. Here's what Jesus said. If a man loves me, he will keep my words and my Father will love him. And we will come to him and make our abode with him. Horatius Bonner, the great theologian of his day in the 1800s, he was from Edinburgh. Uh, he became really a, a, a great preacher, a mighty man of God. He was a member of the Church of Scotland, and he was actually involved in what was called the Disruption of 1843. Disruption of 1843. That was when men of God and men of the book separated from the established church and founded what was known as the Free Church of Scotland. Okay, biblical. In the same year of the disruption, he married a woman by the name of Jane, Jane Lundy, Lundy I believe it was. Uh, they moved into a pastorate in a little place on the border areas between Scotland and England. They were married for 40 years. Not great 40 years, 
Not perfect 40 years. As a matter of fact, their whole, their whole life seemed to be wrapped up in chaos. There was pain and there was heartache. But God used that to give him a wider range of ministry, especially as it dealt in the matter of compassion. Bonner and his wife became extremely compassionate people for hurting people, for people full of sorrow. They they were able to do that because in their marriage of 40 years, they had five children that died. Five. And probably one of those tragedies is what caused him to write in his diary. Listen to this. Spare not this stroke. Do with me as you will. Let there be nothing unfinished, broken or marred. Complete your purpose so that we may become your perfect image. Jesus came. I was, and I have to say this, because I took, I had taken about all I could take. There have been numerous tragedies. Um, and how many times have we heard? Why did God do that? Well, can I just tell you, God didn't do that. God didn't do that. Now, God allowed it. I don't, you know, I don't know why God allowed that to happen. Well, the fact of the matter is, most of the time it's something we do to ourselves. It, it's, and I hate to use this word, but our children are sitting here. It's our own stupidity. Sometimes it causes tragedy in our lives. Sickness comes along. Listen, sin is in the world. Sin is real. Sin brought everything into this world. If you're going to be mad at something, be mad at sin. That doesn't mean that the person was necessarily a sinner. It just means that when you see those things, it ought to be a reminder to us of what sin brought into this world. People get sick. Babies die. People get killed. Here's the good news. I don't know that that's a small statement of faith or not, but the fact that somebody would say, why did God allow that? Why did God do that? Leads me to believe that at least they believe that God could do that if he wanted to. But sometimes it just don't work out that way. Why? Because God is shaping us. Spare not this stroke. Do with me as you will. Let there be nothing unfinished, broken, or marred. Complete your purpose that we may become your perfect image. I hope you've come to meet Jesus this morning. I hope that your desire every Sunday from this day forward, when you come to this place, is to see Him, to meet with Him, to fellowship with Him. But there may very well be someone here this morning that doesn't know Jesus as your Savior. And maybe it's the day, maybe today's the day that the Holy Spirit is saying to you, follow Him.
follow him. And I promise you this, right? If you do, and immediately, God will change your life. Now listen, I, I, I have done this all of my ministry. I've done this all of my ministry. And I want you to hang in here with me. I'm as serious right now as I've ever been in my life about anything. After studying and thinking and reading and going through some of this, I've told you before, and I honestly, I, I, I promise you, that I will not break my promise to you about preaching God's word to you and giving men and women and boys and girls opportunities to respond. But I'm going to tell you something. The days are over with me standing up here trying to talk you into it. Because if I can talk you into it, somebody can talk you out of it. So here's the deal. I want you to stand. Kurt, in your time, just come on. Here's what we're going to do. Listen, it's going to be, it needs to be quick. It needs to be instantaneous. If people want to come to Jesus, they will come. And it ain't going to be long, and it's not going to be drawn out. But, I, but here's, here, here's the invitation this morning. If you're here this morning, you've never been saved, and you want to be, then you come. You're here this morning, and you just want to start the new year out. Focusing on Jesus and who He is and what He's done for you and thanksgiving. The altar's always open. You can use your chair. Y'all can pray. You can do whatever. If you want to join our church, you come this morning. Like I said, we're not going to make it long. You either want to or you don't. Okay? So if the Holy Spirit's speaking to you, this is a very safe place. You don't have to be ashamed. Nobody's going to point fingers at you. We're not going to run around and take pictures of you. And they came to him from everywhere. So if you need to come to Jesus this morning, you come right now.